This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. So glad you joined us today. Why don't you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Friends, I am so fired up to have you with me today. We got a great topic, some wonderful guests. But before we get to all of that, I do want to make sure you have marked your calendar. If you're a monthly partner for this Thursday, this Thursday is our next Zoom webinar. Now, these are moments for uh, an intimate gathering. I always describe it that way. Yes, we're using technology, but it allows us to be able to have a very important conversation about an issue that I believe is critical to our culture as well as to the church. The topic for this month's Zoom webinar for our monthly partners is Jesus, anxiety, and depression. What does Jesus have to say to us about anxiety? Uh, Is it a sin to be anxious? It seems like the Bible describes it that way. Many have preached it that way. What about depression? If you live with depression, how do you explain that as a Christian? Maybe you're on that journey and this is your reality. We're going to talk about this uh, from a biblical perspective as always, but with Um, honesty and transparency. We're going to create a safe space for this intimate discussion. Now, this is for monthly partners. So if you're a monthly partner, this is free for you, available for you. You just need to register the email, the Equipper Encouragement email that you've received has registration details in there. It's going to happen this Thursday, immediately following the program. I'm going to hop on Zoom with our monthly partners and some special guests. Now, if you are not a monthly partner, it is not too late for you to become one and to be a part of this. And the groups that I think should be thinking about this, obviously, those who have uh, really been dealing with anxiety and depression, either in your own life or in the life of someone you love, also those of you who are counselors, also, those of you who are pastors who are caring, supporting, sojourning with folks who this is their reality. So if you meet any of those uh, criteria, I would encourage you to uh, check it out. So dial the number. This is the number you need to dial, 888-644-4144. I'll give the number again, 888 644 Please register be a part of this event. A lot of folks have already signed up, and I'm looking forward to being there, seeing you there. Jesus, Anxiety, and Depression, 888-644-4144. Well, today we're going to talk about a new campaign. Uh, it's new, but it's been actually, I think, uh, been uh, around for about a year now or so, but it's been hugely impactful It's a campaign that no doubt you've seen in commercials. He gets us. 
I'm going to talk to two of the advisors for the campaign today. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you've seen the commercials. These are very well done commercials. It's an ad campaign. Some call it the largest Christian ad campaign, biggest ever uh, campaign of its kind uh, to uh, to be launched. We're going to talk to Ed Stetzer and Kevin Palau about it. But I'd love to hear from you. If you've seen the commercials, what are your thoughts? How have it impacted you? And more importantly to us, what Jesus conversations are you having as a result? 877-LIVE-675 is the number to join the conversation. It's 877-548-3675. Ed Stetzer, as many of you know, is uh, fresh from teaching at Oxford University. Uh, Dr. Stetzer is a professor, dean at Wheaton College, where he also serves as the executive director of the Wheaton College uh, Billy Graham Center. He's done everything from planting churches to helping revitalize. Uh, he's uh, helped to uh, pastor churches from interim to full time. Uh, most importantly, he's trained pastors, church planners, missiologists on six different continents and uh, been seen across just about every platform you can think of. Ed joins me today. Hey, Ed, are, how are you, brother? Oh, I am doing well. And I, you know, the only time I'm on the show is when I'm guest hosting for you. So it's kind of fun to actually be a guest rather than your guest host. Oh, you're in the hot seat today, brother. Come today, on, baby. You, Come on. You get a chance to answer the tough <laughs> questions. On, but not alone. I didn't want to, I didn't, I wanted to ease you into this. I didn't want to just good. throw these fastballs at you alone. Kevin Palau, one of my favorite people in all the He's world. Amazing. I mean that sincerely. He is the CEO of the Luis Palau Association under his leadership. He's united tens of thousands of churches in hundreds of cities to simply love and serve their community. I remember us doing a, a, a citywide evangelism campaign. Kevin, it's hard to believe it was a decade ago when we launched that campaign here in Detroit, and we said, who can consult us, who can help us to figure out how to do this well? And Kevin Palau was so gracious to get on the plane, to come to Detroit, to really help to coach us. That started a relationship with several of us here that spanned more than a decade now. His father, uh, Luis Palau, I'll let you say a few words about him, but uh, impacted millions of lives through uh, just his winsome way of sharing the gospel, be it with uh, uh, audiences of 100,000 people or audiences of one. Um, But Mm -hmm. Kevin continues on in that spirit. Kevin, how are you, brother? Doing so well, Chris. And Ed and I have had a chance to work together quite a bit in this last year. It's all about how do we get the good news of Jesus out to people that are, in many cases, sadly drifting farther and farther away. Got to be creative. Yeah, talk about, and I'll start with you, Kevin, then I'm going to come to you, Ed. Talk about this passion for sharing Jesus. I know in some ways people will think, um, who is Kevin Palau? What is his heritage? (laughs) What's his pedigree? So talk a little bit about your dad, but talk about even your passion and why we should have a passion for sharing Jesus, because it seems like in some ways, I think you and Ed would agree with this, that evangelism has fallen on hard times. Yeah, I think I think you're right. At least in the West, or you know, in the U.S. and Western sure, Europe, Australia, sure. places like that. Thank the Lord if if some of the listeners have had a chance to visit the global South. If you've been to Latin America, parts of Africa, Asia, 
there are places where the church has not lost its first love, so to speak, of we exist to declare, to proclaim, to live out the good news of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is so clear. Go all around the world, make disciples, teach people to obey, baptize them. The only reason there's a church is that those 120 believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost uh, obeyed. They did their job, and thank the Lord the church exists now in every corner of the world. So I get excited yes. about that. My dad was, uh, you know, came to the Lord in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and he just was one of those people that had this evangelistic passion and spark. He lived to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And like you said, whether it was a one-on-one conversation or sharing the good news in front of huge crowds all around the world, dad was very much influenced by Billy Graham. And uh, dad was kind of like the Billy Graham of Latin America was how he was known when I was a kid. And so for 37 years, my twin brother Keith and I, our younger brother Andrew, who's an evangelist himself, along with his wife, Wendy, the Palau's, we, we love evangelism. But of course, there's lots of ways to do it, too. We're not saying yes. that, that the average believer is going to stand on the stage and necessarily preach or proclaim to large crowds of people. But every one of us that love Jesus can play a role in furthering the good news of Jesus Christ. And yeah. uh, there's lots of ways to do it, but I'm excited about all the different ways to do it. Well, you you mentioned something, and Ed, I'd love for you to take this further. You're you describe yourself as a missiologist. For those who don't know that five dollar term, what is a missiologist? <laughs> what do you what yes, do you sir. do? Is that so? My PhD is in the field of mission or missions, and so I help Christians to understand the cultures. You know, so we might think of a missiologist training, you know, missionaries to go engage the Pocot in Africa or the Quechua right. in Peru. Uh, so what I do is I, I help Christians understand the cultural moment and seek to show and share the love of Jesus today. And, and, and you know, what, what Kevin mentioned a minute ago is the West. So we talk about the Western yes. world. Yes. And so that's, that's what I do. That's what I do. And, and I think, you know, it's a key moment. You're right, Chris. I mean, evangelism's fallen on hard times. Um, we need to, again, find ways to help people to show and share the love of Jesus faithfully and fruitfully again. Yeah, I want to get to this big project in a moment because it's so intriguing to me. But, Ed, you said something I think is critical. When we think about sharing Christ, there seems to be two sides to the equation. Obviously, I need to know Christ, know the gospel. In other words, know what I'm sharing, right? But I also need to know my audience, know the culture, and who I'm sharing it with. Is that right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, we look at that kind of obscure reference in the Old Testament that there were the men of Issachar who knew the times and and discerned what they should do. Yeah, and even you know, you were talking. You have this, you know, I, when I when I guess history, I try to say that currents of culture with a biblical worldview. You have this thing <laughs> that you use, um, and I think that's really important. Yes. I mean, the yes. reality is. When I came to Christ a few decades ago, the cultural moment was different. The gospel remains the same. So how do we find the ways to communicate? You know, I'm sitting here. I'm broadcasting from the studio at the Wheaton College of Billy Graham Center. Yeah. Um, you know, Billy Graham would say, we got to find a thousand ways to share the gospel. And God mm-hmm. used and continues to use around the world crusades and, and like they're called campaigns or other things. Um, but, but at the same time. It's, it's not just one way, and the how of evangelism 
is in many ways shaped by the who, when, and where of culture. Let me say it again so everybody gets it. The how of evangelism is in many ways shaped by the who, when, and where of culture. So if I go to a place that no one's ever heard the gospel and I stand up and say, are you saved? People are going to be saved from what? On the other hand, we're in a post-Christian secular world where people haven't just like, they think of themselves as having rejected Christianity. Maybe some are going to be open to reconsidering it, but they're they're kind of seeing it as the thing of the past. So how do we share the gospel today? How do we help people reconsider Jesus in 2023 so they might receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel? Wow, it's 2023, Ed. I mean, you just said that. <laughs> I'm writing, I wrote like, it on a check. I remember Y2K. I remember letter writing. I remember mailboxes and stamps and pay phones. Yep. Anyway, I'll get back. But Kevin, when I hear Ed talk about this, I think about how your dad's ministry, now the one you're leading, uh, has gone through different changes in in, in methodology, if I could say it. Mm. Gone are the days of the crusade, in other words. Like, I think when people think, and maybe I'm wrong in that, but when I think of, uh, like, evangelism, Billy Graham style, I think of tent meetings and big crusades. Well, and, you know, and I would say, yeah, you're right. Different contexts, different methodologies, exactly the same message, meaning the heart, the historic, orthodox, that the apostolic tradition, the, the biblical expression yes. of the gospel that we all uh, believe in. But yeah, I mean, Dad grew up, um, it, was, it was a traditional crusade. We shifted that toward an outdoor music festival. We added a community service element because many people have such a negative, jaded view or experience with Christians in our home city of Portland, Oregon, we found that we needed to do things like building trust with our very secular mayor and city commissioners and school superintendents. We come alongside with thousands of believers to love and serve the community and then have what we call a festival to celebrate the impact that the churches collectively can make when we serve our public schools and kids in foster care. So, so kind of let's, let's show that we love Portland or that we love yes. Detroit unconditionally. And then people still, you know, concerts are not going anywhere. There's still the place for larger gatherings, but you're right. We don't, you don't, you wouldn't call it a crusade. You definitely wouldn't assume that people are going to simply come to hear the gospel. It's, it's kind of a yes. sad reality that we're having to overcome the way one way I put it is like in a place like Portland, Oregon, where I live, you know, you're not starting from a place of common ground. You're starting from this 10 foot hole of misunderstanding that's been dug, not intentionally. I mean, believers, you know, we, we would say some listeners would say like, well, it's, it's totally unfair. We're being labeled certain ways as being hateful. And that's not really fair. Granted, I I would agree with you. In many ways, it's not fair. And yet, if we love people, I think it's on us as the Jesus followers to take the go the extra mile and have the hard conversations to listen to people's complaints, to listen to people's reasons why they have abandoned maybe their childhood faith. And rather than getting angry and defensive, listen and have those conversations, those crucial conversations that can lead to greater trust. But unfortunately, it can be harder. It can be more discouraging than it used to be.
Yeah, I once heard someone describe evangelism. I think it was C.S. Lewis. But whenever you're in doubt about any quote, just ascribe it to Lewis is what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, but what apologetics does is remove the debris out of the way in the road mm-hmm. to evangelism. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of cultural debris. And in many ways, that's why since we have such a PR problem, that's why it's wise that we turn to uh, those who are gifted in that field to say, what would it look like if we put together an ad campaign? We're going to talk about that mm-hmm. ad campaign, and we're going to also pr- play some of the commercials. It's called He Gets Us. Maybe you've heard about it. Over 375 million views of the commercials last I, I checked. Uh, we're going to get into that. I'd love to hear from you 877-LIVE-675 if you've seen the commercials or maybe you have questions about evangelism. Two of the best are with us right now. Give us a call, 877-548-3675. Let's begin this new year by committing ourselves to reading the Bible more and understanding it better. Will you join me? I have a wonderful new resource to keep us on track and inspired. It's Trillia Nubel's new book, 52 Weeks in the Word. This insightful resource even offers days of rest and reflection on what we've read. You can request your copy today with the gift of any amount to equip. Call 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them. But more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things the people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. He gets us as the name of the campaign. Um, I believe last I heard, Ed Stetzer... Over $4 billion invested in this campaign. Is that right? I do not believe that's correct. Uh, that's a lot of money. Uh, there's been over $100 million ads already spent, and they want to triple and quadruple that. Maybe that's the, the goal. Yeah, it could, Maybe it could, I read could somewhere be. that that's the goal. Could be. But there's certainly a lot of Christians are getting behind the campaign. And uh, not, we're not, you know, it's, what's interesting is we're connecting ultimately with churches who can follow up, but not asking them to, they're not, we're not asking churches who are following up, you know, we can, you can actually receive what are called explorers, people who go to the website, express an interest, over 100,000 of today. I, I just found that Kevin and I were on a meeting together yes. like a few hours ago, and we just found out that now over 100,000 people have been referred to churches for the different campaigns. And, um, and so, but none of those churches are being asked to pay for it. It's all covered by donors, but significant amount of resources. And it's the largest faith-based media campaign in history. And we've all seen some sort of like faith-based campaigns before, and I don't know about you, 
I saw this one non-Christian religion and they were sort of running these ads all the time, you know, I am this. And and I thought, I want Christians to be able to do that. I want people to point to Jesus. And I love that right now, because of the help of some Christian business leaders and an ex- ever-expanding group of people who are supporting it, um, we get to, and we haven't even mentioned the Super Bowl coming up, but we get to actually have conversations with people. A third of Americans can identify these ads. They've already seen these ads. And after the Super Bowl, it's going to be even more and leading to conversations about Jesus. We want, you want, I want, Kevin wants, we want conversations about Jesus all over America, and this is going to help facilitate those. Now, this is exciting, and I want to get back to the ad campaign, but let me just say two things very quickly. Tremendously disappointed that the Lions won't be in the Super Bowl. Uh, We had a (laughs) chance, and it was taken from us. We were robbed. All right, so that's one thing. Secondly, <laughs> congratulations, I don't even know. Kevin. Is that football? Is that, that is football? football. The Lion? That is American know. football, okay. my friend. American football. American. American football. And then I want to say congratulations on Argentina's win of the World Cup. I just wanted to throw yes, that one in there. Yeah, that, that made our Argentine half uh, of, of my brothers and I uh, very proud. <laughs> and, man, oh, my goodness. We just had a festival in Buenos Aires, Argentina in November that drew 200,000 people to hear the gospel. It was amazing. But, yes. um, wow, when Argentina won, you, people might have seen the crowds. I mean, millions of Argentines That was amazing, that video. Wow. They, there's a worship that's maybe a little out of balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just, let me just say, if Detroit ever makes it to the Super Bowl, friends, <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. So let me, let me just yes. get back to the campaign. Ed, here's the question I have sure. for you, and then I want to come to you, Kevin. Uh, why is a campaign like this needed? Because some will say, and you know the whole proverbial argument, couldn't those dollars be spent on you name it, right? Yeah, why totally. spend it on commercial ad campaigns? So you answer that question for not so much the skeptic, but maybe the sincere believer who says, yeah, I do want people reach. Why is this campaign needed? Well, you know, and I totally think that that's a fair question. I would say that, you know, there might be a scenario where if Kevin and I, Kevin and I were, you know, the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center and Louis Palau Association and said, you know, here's several hundred million dollars. What would you do with it? We might have gone a different direction. Here's the thing. We're not being asked to do that. We're, we're, yes. We have people who they have a passion to engage in this media space. Have you seen the ad? I mean, yes. this is first class, well done stuff. So they actually, so they, I mean, these are people who've done ads for like Home Depot and stuff like that. And, and then, so what they did is this is their passion. Might, you know, I, you know, I'm I church planning background, you know, I, I would love mm-hmm. to plan 10,000 churches. But what I would say is, um, is that people feel and are led by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to give in different ways. We're not actually being asked to support financially ad campaigns, we're actually inviting Christians to have conversations with their neighbors. So you, in a sense, you know, I, I wasn't, wasn't asked to participate in paying for it, but I get to participate in the benefits that come from some people who have a passion and an expertise to engage media in a way that I wouldn't have even thought of. That's just not how I think. But um, but so, so, so I get it. Um, but I would say, you know, these people People feel called to different things. And someone might say, really, you know, in your local church, well, I want to start a women's ministry. We say, well, what we really wanted was a student ministry. Well, okay, let people follow their calling, and then let's celebrate what the Lord uses through it. And that's ultimately what what we're doing here and partnering with the He Gets Us campaign. Kevin, who's the ad campaign behind it? Give us a little bit of sense of the folks that are working behind the scenes on this. Yeah. I mean, 
Ed and I, like Ed said, you know, Ed and I aren't, aren't, it's not our campaign. Yeah. We didn't design the ads. We didn't set the budget. But, but for me, I'll just speak for myself. Like when I, when I heard that some, uh, initially some very, very wealthy business people that love Jesus had a dream. This one guy literally had a dream and he felt like the Lord was asking this question, how did the world's greatest love story, meaning the gospel, a God who created us and loves us, who sent Jesus Christ to save us, who came in the flesh uh, to, so that we could have a relationship restored with God. How did that story become in the, in the U S at least almost known as a hate group? You know, we all know yeah, um, that's a great maybe question. sometimes even in our family. So, so that was, this guy wakes up from, so this is when Ed says like the Holy Spirit leads people, this is literally one of those situations. This didn't come out of some whiteboard consultants and meetings. This was a humble person of significant means who felt like the Lord was saying, what could you do with your resources to change the conversation about Jesus, to get people not the already convinced, you know, some of us look at the ads and people like, ah, I'm not, is that quite right? The ads are not the gospel. So if someone's looking to say, like, is that ad? The ads are basically just designed, and a lot of research was done, to help the furthest away people, the skeptics, the people that have already said to themselves, or maybe in some cases they've said to you, dear listeners, I am done with this Christian stuff. You people are X, Y, I'm done. So for those kind of people, is there something that could be done that just intrigues them, that helps them say, oh, this Jesus that I thought of is just this religious yes. thing, he, he gets us. Like, he yes. actually experienced life like we did. So it's purposely, I mean, I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not speaking for Ed, although I think Ed probably feels the same way too. Some of the ads we've been like, oh, in fact, we've, we've tried to help speak into some stuff because sometimes an ad campaign, the creative kind of people can get pretty creative. So, you know, we now, Ed has actually formed a theological, just so people know, Ed has, has helped form a, a, a review team of theologians that's just been formed to make sure that the theology of the ads, but also the theology of the website is right, solid, biblical. So, I think All right, friends, here's what we're going to do. Kevin, I'm going to come back because folks are calling. 877-LIVE-675. We'll take a break. We'll come back, listen to another ad. Much more to come next up on Equip. There was a mother and a father who had a son. They lived in a small village and didn't have much money, but they were happy. One day, they heard the head of their country was sending soldiers to their town because he thought they were part of an insurrection. The young family decided to flee. They grabbed only what they could carry and ran. They hiked for days, wondering if soldiers might still be following them. They were scared, hungry, and exhausted. But they were far away from the atrocities taking place in Bethlehem. That's all Mary and Joseph wanted, a safe place to call home. That commercial is entitled... 
the refugee from the He Gets Us campaign. I am joined today by two of the advisors on that campaign. Ed Stetzer is joining me, and many of you know Ed as the executive director of the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College. Also, Kevin Palau. Uh, Many of you have heard of the Luis Palau uh, Association. They have brought together literally tens of thousands of churches to uh, serve their city, spread the love of Jesus. They're joining me today. Kevin was, uh, as we were going to break, talking about the fact that with any ad campaign or, or large project like this, you need to have a myriad of people, not just the creatives, but those who are going to make sure that in our creativity, we don't forget the true story as well. So it's good to hear the, a theology committee, if you will, have been put together. Those are always so fun. If you put me in any room, put me in a room with the theologians. We could talk about the use of Roman coins in the first century for about four hours. That's but true. Uh, let's let's go to the phone lines. Laura is listening in Youngstown, uh, Ohio. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for listening. What's your comment today? Oh, you know, thank you, Chris, for having me, um, taking my call. You know, I love the topics that you do uh, regularly, and this one just, I really was super excited about it because we've seen the, the commercials uh, at home or watching football, whatever, and they come on, and, uh, you know, we all kind of, like, sit up and go, oh, my gosh, who's putting this out? This is amazing. You know, and, and we're musicians. We're a family of musicians, and, and wow. you know, we think about it sort of like how, you know, the harp and the pipe organ, you know, those were those were used to be used in, yes. in church. But, you know, today we don't have that as much. And we have to get people where they're at. The drama, the music, the, the visuals, they're just so powerful. I think this is a fabulous thing. I cannot say enough yes. about it. And I just thank you guys. Keep on doing it. Don't stop. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate wow. it. Thank Appreciate you. your call, and obviously, I'm sure Kevin and Ed hearing a call like that is uh, what you would hope for. Is, yeah, super uh, encouraging. Let me, yeah, let me let me mention too with with Laura, one of the things Laura said too is that one of the phrases that we're using. You know, you mentioned C.S. Lewis earlier, and yes. uh, you know, I've been since I've been teaching at Oxford for the last few months. I, I got to quote C.S. Lewis every time I can. It's like a law. <laughs> um, but one of the things he said was that he, he was once asked why he wrote fanciful stories. You know, I mean, every Christian knows that Aslan, lion, is this picture of Christ. And, you know, we, we, we get we, – we read the, we read the, the you know, Chronicles of Narnia and we're like, oh, we get this because it's a whole, you know, Christian backstory. But he was once asked, why does he do that? Why doesn't he just write, you know, the gospel for that matter? And he did that, you know, read mere Christianity. But here's what he said. He said, I'm trying to steal past watchful dragons. Now, we use the word sneak in 2023, <laughs> but he's trying to sneak past the barriers that people have up. And Laura just mentioned, as a musician, she sees, she, got, she gets it. So what we're trying to do is to, and the ads, what the ads are trying to do. Now, again, Kevin and I aren't making ads. We get to speak into them now, but we didn't, you know, that, that's, there's a whole team that does that. Um, they're trying to get people to say, hey, maybe I need to learn more about this Jesus. So... You don't, in a 30-second ad or a 60-second ad, go from death to life, from, from unbelief to belief. So yes. the point is for people to say, oh, well, let me find out more about this, Jesus. They go to hegetsus.com. They got answer more questions there. From there, they can get more information, connect with a local church, you know, connect with, uh, like, we have this thing called you know, Alpha, some of your listeners may be familiar with, or other resources. But this is... 
from our perspective, the campaign's more pre-evangelism. Let's get people thinking mm. and talking about Jesus. Let's talk about that for a moment, Kevin, because I want to I I would assume that your hope is that somebody watches this campaign. Right. And one of a few things might happen. Uh, Maybe they go to a website. Right. And that's great. Uh, And they inquire more and they're directed to a church. But maybe just maybe they think of the Christian friend in their life Mm. or the Christian family member in their life. So now here's my question for you. Let's just say I'm that friend, I'm that family member, that someone who sees that ad turns to, what advice are you giving to me on how to take it from the commercial to the gospel for that person? What, What advice would Kevin Palau give me if that happened? I would say, yeah, and I would, I would say, of course, it depends on the level of the relationship. Sure. But let, let's, I, I've always found that asking questions, which is, of course, what Jesus did so masterfully. Uh, yes, he gave sermons, obviously, we have records of it, but he also knew how to ask a question. So to me, if someone was asking me, like, hey, I saw this ad, or hey, I was watching the Super Bowl, I saw this ad, and, you know, you're one of those Christians— I, I would immediately go back to asking them, getting them talk. What did you think of it? Tell me what you thought of it. What, so, so something intrigued them to the point, something in your life made them go to you, and something about the ad sparked something. So I would just try to, by the Holy Spirit, dig in a little bit. What is it? And sometimes it might be, uh, you know, they want to talk first about the negatives, why they don't go to church anymore, et cetera. And even though those things can kind of be hard to hear, I always say, dig into that. Let them talk. Letting people process through their painful, their, their, their doubts, et cetera, can be part of, one, them seeing like, this guy cares about me. Listening is a key part of showing love to people. So I would say, have some, ask them what intrigued them about the commercial and, um, and just use it as a launching pad to where are they in their understanding of God? Do they have a faith yes. background? Did they go to church? So I would just get them talking about sure. faith or Jesus in particular and just pray and see where the conversation could go. Uh, Ed, let me ask this question. It doesn't seem to me like it's possible in the Twitter age Seems like somebody I knew wrote a book about outrage and anger, <laughs> but but it seems like any large project of this magnitude is going to receive heavy criticism. So, what is some of the criticism that you uh, have heard about this campaign, and and what's your response to that? Yeah, yeah, and actually, I would say the reaction has been been overwhelmingly positive. And I also add, too, that I, I just uh, shot a video. I'm actually here like that down in the studio. And Tara Corpy, who works with me, she wrote me a script. And in that, we, I just answered that question. We, we're going to send this out to churches to play yes. on Super Bowl Sunday because Sunday morning we want to tell them, here's how you can start conversations Monday at the water cooler. So it's, I love that you're asking that question. I would just amen what Kevin said. I mean, we're going to look for lots of opportunities. Now, so, so again, I, part, of the, part of the challenge is, is ads geared towards non-Christians. Um, for, you know, for the person who's like every week at church, going to Bible study in a small group, it's not, we're not really the audience. And so some people are going to be like, well, you know, I don't like that. I, I would like for it to describe more, um, you know, to my way of thinking, my frame of thinking. The yes. thing, too, is, is there, you have to have a realistic expectation of what an ad can do. Uh, 
Uh, again, an ad doesn't move somebody from belief to unbelief. It hopefully sparks an interest in a conversation. So the way the ads in the Super Bowl will go will be actually, um, you know, kind of one around uh, childlike faith and then one around conflict and how Jesus loves louder than, mm. than, than anything else. And, mm. and, and again, so, so I, I know that millions of people who love Jesus will say Jesus loves louder and, and, and Jesus has given us this passion for sharing the gospel. They're going to hear that and they're going to rejoice in that. Others are going to say, well, you didn't tell the totality of the story. And, and, I, and I get that. That's fair. And I, one of the things, too, we want to do. And this is where Kevin and I, we advise the campaign. Remember, we're not the heads of the campaign. Right, we're right, advisors right. of the campaign. We want to make sure, too, that, that the language we use on the website and other things is, um, is very much the unchurched, irreligious person can look at that and understand it. But we also have to make sure that it, it, it accurately reflects 2,000 years away 2,000 years of the way Christians have spoken about who Jesus is and what he does and what the Bible teaches about who he is and how he's fully God and fully man. So, like, if you go to the About Us page, we sort of unpack some of those things. But part of what we want to do is to be clearer on some of these issues, and we continue to work towards that. Um, But but again, I I think ultimately we can and all rejoice that the opportunities to share the gospel are – uh, voluminous here, and literally, like I said, a hundred thousand people already referred to to Bible centered churches, um, and you know we we're excited about continuing that forward uh, conversation. That's what we're trying to do. Let's have a let's have yeah. everybody at the water water cooler Sunday after the Super Bowl saying, "Well, who do you think Jesus is?" And then for Christians who've actually been prepared and encouraged in their churches. And by the way, too, we've got all kinds of resources for the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center, Louise Plow, and several others. We have developed training resources around this, evangelism training resources. If you go to hegetsuspartners.com, we can link that in the show notes, too. But if you go to hegetsuspartners.com, it's all kinds of information there about uh, sermon outlines, you know, all these sorts of things that our teams have helped to develop that are resources for Christians and churches to engage this moment that we don't got to pay for, but we can engage <laughs> for the cause of Christ. You know, it's so interesting <laughs> because I want to do something that I think is he gets us ask, if you will, that there <laughs> once was an evangelist, right, from uh, Alexandria who went about teaching the scriptures and met a couple who invited him to their home so that they can teach him the way of Jesus better, right? This evangelist was named Apollos, and he's uh, talked about in the book of Acts. You can read about his life, Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 28. And the reason why I bring him up, the couple he met was Priscilla and Aquila. The reason why I bring him up, guys, is because I think we assume that people have to be pitch perfect from uh, the start, right? And what I love about at least what I'm hearing you say, Ed, is that we're advising this campaign so that they can, with great, they already have great intention. They already want people to know Jesus, but we're helping them to understand how to do that better so that they can make sure that the way that we've talked about Jesus over the last 2,000 years or to put it in a different way, the way Scripture talks about Jesus is the way they're talking about Jesus. And it seems like there's a little bit of grace, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me like part of what we need to do with this is not stop asking the tough questions. 
It's not what you're advising. But it does seem that while we're asking rightly the tough questions like, is this the gospel? Have they gotten it right? Is this, you know, on point? We also got to give some grace in knowing that we're moving in a direction towards getting better at that. So I'm just going to give that little soapbox uh, critique, if you will. Find out more about Apollos if you want to in the book of Acts, chapter Mm, 18. Verses 24 through 28. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to ask two very important questions. The two most important questions of this entire interview are coming up right after the break. So stick and stay. While we're on a break, find out more about Ed, about Kevin, about the campaign, about Jesus, more importantly, at our website, equippedradio.org. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip. Hey friends, Chris Brooks here. I want to invite you to join us for our next Equip Resume webinar coming up this Thursday, January 12th, right after the program. We'll be talking about one of the greatest challenges facing our children, our relationships, and our society today. That's mental health. Bring your questions and join the conversation as we discuss Jesus, anxiety, and depression. Equippers, look for an email from me with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an equipper and want to attend? Well, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. A caring man took a walk. Everywhere he looked, people suffered. Anxiety ran high. Hope dwindled. Hatred rose. His neighbors had lost trust in the system and in each other. I need to do something, he thought. I'll bring them together and feed them. Around the dinner table, they can talk and see how much they have in common. Shared struggles. Shared joy. Shared pain. So he prepared a feast and invited all into his home. But some refused to sit at his table because they chose to only see differences. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to eat and be filled. Not with food and wine, but with compassion. What a beautiful way of describing the love feast we read about in Scripture, what we would call communion. Ed Stetzer and Kevin Pillar, my guest. All right, gentlemen, with about four minutes left, I'll start with you, Ed. And the the question I have for you is, what is the gospel for those who say, I want to be ready for Super Bowl Sunday? My friend asked me that question Maybe just in a minute, what would you say? Well, like a technical definition, I would say the gospel is the good news that God, who is more holy than we could imagine, looked upon with compassion people who are more sinful than we could possibly admit and sent Jesus into history to establish his kingdom and reconcile people in the world to himself. And so I think ultimately when we look to the gospel, that's not the totality of what I would start a conversation with. I wasn't sure if you're asking a technical definition. Um, But I would say, and I have a little more than that, I just – that's a passion of mine is that we can clearly articulate what the gospel is. What I would say is 
that um, the next steps on a gospel journey for the person that you talk to after maybe they saw the Super Bowl ad or whatever is to help them take a step closer to understand who Jesus is and why he matters. At the end of the day, the gospel is Jesus' work on the cross on our behalf Mm -hmm. and to help people to see what he did and to respond by grace mm-hmm. and through faith mm-hmm. to how he is at work changes their lives. So, so let's, um, let's take yeah. those Jesus journeys with people who are going to be considering who he is more in the weeks and months to come. The gospel invites us to repent and believe, to turn from a life apart from Jesus to a life in which Jesus is, is Lord in our everything. And so, Kevin, uh, the most important question that I'll end with is this. Why should someone believe in Jesus or follow Jesus? I, I would say it's what we were designed to do. I think, I think most people, you look at the, I, I've heard the ads on mental health. We're in, a, we're in a, a culture of young people in particular, but everyone that, that knows in their heart of hearts, they might not use the word sin, but that we are living in a broken place. And if they're honest, they know I do not have what it takes. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm desperately trying to fill my life with meaning. But if you don't have that meaning that comes from I am a beloved child of God created for relationship with God. So Jesus matters because Jesus is the only way we can truly know God and know what our purpose is. Why am I here? The big questions of life that everyone's asking if they're really honest can really only be answered to full satisfaction with knowing uh, who God is through Jesus Christ. And we, and we can only know God fully. We, you can get a glimpse of God, a sense of awe through nature and through sometimes relationship, relationship with other people. But really, Jesus said it, and, and those of us that have experienced it can state it to be true as well. If you want to know God fully and know yourself and what you were created for, it starts and ends with Jesus Christ. So as I said, getting to know him, people that come to that He Gets Us website, we're adding content. Ed and I are, are working hard to beef things up, to give people a pathway that if they choose, they can go to some version reading plans that have been curated to get people into what did Jesus say about himself. I mean, our desire yes. is that people yes. know the, the, the life that is truly life. People want life, abundant life, as Jesus called it. There's only one way to have it. And we don't mean that because we're arrogant. Or we think we are smarter than other people. But we're saying this is the place to find true life. It's in Jesus. Friends, if you today uh, know that you need Christ as your Savior, you know you need grace, mercy, forgiveness, and salvation, I invite you today to turn to Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He is our hope. And I want to invite you into a relationship with him. You can call that number 877-548-3675 if that's you. Ed, real quickly, if a church wants to get plugged in, how do they do that? Go to hegetsuspartners.com, hegetsuspartners.com, and there, there's they can get uh, – all the resources are free. So, like, again, keep in mind, no one's asking you to pay for these things. So you can get sermon illustrations, outline, Bible studies, prayer resources, assessment guides, hegetsuspartners.com. Ed, thank you. You're off to hot seat, brother. Kevin, always a joy. Love you both. 
And uh, so grateful for the ministry work you guys are doing. Friends. Appreciate you. Until we're together again next Thank time, you. as always, remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.